But I was going to tell you also, I saw a movie last night at the kind of independent uh, cinema here. They, every every Halloween, a couple of days before, they'll screen some just terrible 80s slasher movie. And like two years ago, it was Chopping Mall, and that was really good. And then last year, I can't remember what last year's was. And this year, it was called Killer Workout, and it's all about this serial killer that's running around in a aer- an aerobics gym, and uh, just kills a bunch of the people there. It's, I mean, it's all, it's like spot on what the um, the uh, uh, title scenes. sequence for yeah. oh nice for this and the beginning of episode one. I mean, it is just like. And like it's just it's 80s and it's rated R, so it's just like boob shot, crotch shot, butt shot, boob shot, crotch shot, ass shot, <laughs> and like that's like the interstitial scenes. Like after murder, they go back to just seeing them do their choreography, and it's just so pervy. <clears throat> but it was really funny. funny. It's a terrible movie. Terrible movie. Uh, I just for fun. I just for fun last night. Um, for a while threw on uh, this movie that was on Amazon Prime that was like a horror movie from the 50s called like Spider versus the World or something like that Ooh. and it, it was pretty hilarious literally what they did is like they actually filmed it in the Carlsbad Caves it, they said oh. but like but basically what they did is they took a tarantula and just did like a super zoom up on the tarantula <laughs> like it was giant and then they like you know superimposed the, the people like they were small next to it it was pretty hilarious that's awesome that's awesome <laughs> Yeah, it was it was um, four to two, top of the ninth. Oh yeah, yeah. We should for start, you baseball though. for you baseball fans. World Series is going to be over by this time. By the time you but, hear this, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. Shall we go? Yep. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Happy night before I... I well, I'll be happy guess, Halloween when people listen. <laughs> I was about to say All Hallows' Eve, because Eve technically, like, is supposed to be the night before, but that's actually what you call Halloween. So it's like yeah. All Hallows' Eve Eve, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We um we had some people post uh Halloween um costumes, American Horror Story inspired outfits on our Facebook page. That was kind of fun. Did you ones. see any of those? We had some Montanas mm-hmm. and some different things. It was great. If I did that, none of my friends would know what I was. So I'm glad that we have our internet Community. and our podcast friends so we can all share this with each other. Cuz I love it and if I did it if you were going to do an American Horror Story character right now for Halloween, which person would you be? Uh, Leatherman. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, that outfit oh, seems that'd like... A, I, that'd be spooky. I just feel like I what would about sweat this? like... I would sweat so much in that outfit. Oh, I, yeah. It wouldn't be pretty. Uh, what What about this season? Mm, that's a good question. Um Trevor would be a fun one. Be like, have like the whistle stuff and short pants. shorts and stuff. <laughs> stuff your pants. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I totally thought that, that too. That'd be really funny. That'd be funny. I I feel like Jingles is boring. I wouldn't want to do Jingles. Yeah, there's already four of them on this show anyway. So <laughs> dressed <laughs> yeah. up in the trench coat with the keys. Yeah. Did you give an answer, or you, you just think Trevor too? I think Tre- I was gonna say Trevor. I think Trevor would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> although Margaret in any era would be really good too like the young version the camp director one and then now with her like little hairdo oh yeah and her like power suit yep with skirt yeah that would be hilarious yeah anyway um well shit before we i mean dig into episode seven the lady in white um as always we want to say thanks so much for joining us uh thank you for being a part of the community and you can continue to do that at facebook.com slash this american horror story where we get great comments and thoughts and all those good things um you can also send them to us at this american horror story at gmail.com or rate us and review us on itunes which we always appreciate and you know the more reviews and ratings we get the more people that pops up in their feeds and we can continue to pull more, more people. people into this um into this great group we have. So, Chris, mm-hmm. before we really dive in, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, in tradition, I have my uh, hot apple cider with some uh, bourbon in there. What about you? 
Same thing, but cold apple cider. Cheers to you. Cheers. <laughs> so a couple things I wanted to talk about before we dive into this episode specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, different comments and things from this uh, past week. Uh, Leslie via email wrote us and, and asked if we remembered an obscure line from American Horror Story Apocalypse, so last season. Uh, it's from when Madison Montgomery is in hell and she's working at that like department store. It's like a Coles or something mm-hmm. like that. And I guess in that sequence, she says something to the effect of like, I was in that Michael Myers movie or something like that. She references that she was like in a slasher movie. Oh, I think and, I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So Leslie's, you know, she said it, ma- it made me think that, you know, this season could have been a Madison Montgomery movie like we talked about before. Um, now she's not so sure with, you know, us passing into episode seven. Right. Is this episode this, six? This was episode seven. seven yeah. Episode seven. Yeah. So two episodes left. Um, I mean, there, a couple things, and we'll talk more about it later. I think, you know, there's still two episodes left. Who's to say what's going to happen at the very end? The other thing I would say is, you know, they always try to foreshadow what the following season's going to be. So maybe that was a little nugget that now we can go back to and be like, okay, that's where they and were point foreshadowing. To that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, on that note, real quickly, I did see a tweet today that said episode eight will have the clue for season 10. According to Ryan Murphy, so we should keep an eye out next episode. Speaking of which, we had thought we were going to get Sarah Paulson this episode, but instead we got Lily Rabe. Lily Rabe, yeah, I yeah, I thought this was going to be the Sarah Paulson episode. I was pleasantly surprised to see Lily right from the cold open, though. <laughs> yeah, that was fun too. Um, we'll talk about her more in a sec. Uh, Amanda mm-hmm. on Facebook commented one thing about last episode, uh, specific to Brooke's time in the. Um, on death row, basically, she said that a couple things bugged her specifically about that. One is that woman, a woman would never be kept on the same death row as male inmates, mm-hmm. and also that oh, lethal. Yeah, good inje- point. Mm-hmm. She also said lethal injection wasn't widely accepted or used until the mid to late nineties, and that mm-hmm. third, it seems unlikely that California would kill a woman since the last one that was killed in California was in the early sixties. So she said that her her Great father worked her father yeah her father works at a max security penitentiary uh, penitentiary pen penitentiary sorry and so she has some insider knowledge she was able to bestow upon us so big thanks to amanda for that yeah that's awesome thank you um so was it the electric chair i'm guessing that was used the, more I, I would assume that's what was used more properly i'm mm-hmm. sure amanda could fill us in on what was yes, more please protocol fill us in. i don't want to spread yeah. misinformation <laughs> guillotine you know yeah um <laughs> And then uh, Stephen posed a question that I think is a little bit relevant to this episode. He said, you know, he asked, do we know anything about heaven in the AHS universe? You know, we, we know what happens to ghosts and we know uh, people passing on. Um, but all we've really talked about is hell a fair amount. Um, and right. there's different versions. Yeah, pop, pop a leg back. quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was asking if we thought there was another side of the equation. So I was going to ask what you thought about that. I think so. And I think we got a little hint of that, or at least someone's philosophy on it, which is is from Donna. Because Donna said, she, you know, she's obviously this episode, she's trying to uh, make amends. And she believes that she, if she fixes things, then she'll go to the place where good things go and not where the bad things go. So that's the closest thing I think that I've noticed. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We haven't really talked about Jesus, God, or heaven that I can remember, but a lot of Satan. Um, I'm assuming that it might come into play in the last two episodes as they try to figure out how to leave this purgatory that they're stuck in. So maybe we'll find out soon, but not. I haven't seen anything very evident or clear about heaven. Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment, and I don't know that I have anything much more to add than that. Um, the additional thing that I would ask you is, um, I feel like we saw somebody sent us via Facebook message or something like that, a screenshot that still hinted, it was American Horror Story still hinting that maybe there was a turn coming up with Madison Montgomery. Um, does this oh. sound familiar to you? I don't. did not see that. <laughs> I, I feel like I saw on Twitter or Instagram, someone had said, you know, I was hoping there was going to be a Madison Montgomery movie, and someone, like, the official American Horror Story account said, like, the season's not over yet, or something like that. Oh, yeah, I did see something like that. That's right, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I hope, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. Like, maybe, I, it'd be really weird if she just shows up, because she it would she wouldn't be born yet. <laughs> I don't think. Well, I mean, if she's a witch, maybe witches well, she's live longer. Well, that would be, so it would be, like, Brooke would actually be Madison, right? And so it would be, 
maybe in modern times still. I don't know. Um, we can talk more about what that really means, but yeah, that was I don't yeah, know how the final thing. <laughs> a final thing. I hope we, they don't force it. This. Right. Um, so with that being said, I guess uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about um, the cold open with our friends Donna and Brooke in the motel. I thought the cold open was the camp. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it is. 1948, <laughs> Camp Golden Star, Louis Rabe. Where did I, I... I scrolled too far down. Sorry about that. Yep. <laughs> I scrolled too far I'm down like, in my whoa, notes. Whoa, dude, you started the no. episode like five minutes late. <laughs> no, you're totally right. Um, uh, let's talk Camp Gold Star. Um, yeah, Louis Rabe camp. is the camp cook. Yeah, so walk us through it. Yeah. 1948, Camp Golden Star, Lily Rabe is upcharging kids licorice at the <laughs> concession stand. Uh, she's the camp cook. She goes to the back and she sees there's two young boys there uh, reading one of or the one of the, the more chubby one is reading a comic book and she's telling them to make friends and he says it's hard the uh, older boy says it's hard for him to make friends he doesn't have any she's trying to give him tips on how to make friends uh, but they get kind of bored and they're like let's go uh, uh, the little younger boy his name's Bobby we don't know the older boy's name. Younger Bobby uh, says, I want to go swimming. She says, the mom, who, her name is Lavinia, uh, tells them, yeah, that's fine. Just watch your little brother speaking to the older brother. We don't know the older brother's name at this point. Uh, personally, for me at this point, I figured it out. <laughs> that's not to toot my own horn, but I was like, I know exactly where this is going. This is an origin story. Uh, so they go down the uh, Older boy tries to make friends or make a comment to some girls. They make fun of him, calling him fat, essentially. And uh, the little boy wants to get into the water at the lake on the dock uh, as the lifeguard is kind of following a girl away from where he's supposed to be posted up uh, watching. Older brother says, don't go in the water yet. Wait right there. And he goes and, like, watches the uh, older, the counselor, I'm assuming, and the lifeguard have sex uh and then bobby or bobby jumps in the water kind of freaks us out there but turns out ah he's fine he can swim but <laughs> there's two adults there on the dock starting a boat a motor boat and uh bobby kind of gets caught up and mangled up in the uh the motor of it uh and then we see lavinia Lily Rabe's character just lose it, start blaming everyone, and, and in particular, Benji, the older brother, which we now have confirmed that this is the origin story of Benjamin, who is sort of known as Mr. Jingles as well. I liked it. I thought this was a good opening, uh, cold open. I liked it too. Um, a few things I thought were worth uh, of note here. We almost got a double homage, kind of, because the getting you know run over by a motorboat is totally reminiscent of the opening scene of sleepaway camp that's right but at the same time kind of the um you know counselors shirking their responsibility and going to go have sex while someone dies in the lake is um friday the 13th friday the 13th um yeah. which what a what a trope that all these yeah i mean in all these movies the counselors just constantly are uh staying away from their responsibilities to go have sex so that's that's kind of a funny thing that they continue to play with. Um, I don't know that I expected a Jingles origin story. I don't know that if you'd asked me before this episode, I would have said we needed more of a Jingles origin story. Right. Um, but it clearly plays a much more profound role in this season than we realized, um, which we will dig into... Right now. <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, I'm going to give you an option here. We mm-hmm. can either start with Donna and Brooke's storyline and do that one first, or we can do kind of the Jingles storyline through to his mother and everything first. Do you have a preference? Let's start Let's start with Donna uh, and Brooke, because theirs is kind of a little more concise, and the Jingles one leads into what the setup is for the final two episodes, I think. I think that's fair. So, I mean, we pick up with Donna and Brooke immediately after where we left off from last episode, and which, you know, Donna had injected Brooke with some other kind of mystery chemical to make her appear dead. Um, I think a couple things to note here. Did we know for sure that like everyone, well, I mean, it makes sense. I hadn't really thought about it after last episode, but like everyone thinks Brooke is dead. So she's not on the run really. Right. 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 Which is, it's still kind of odd because why wouldn't you 
maybe try to disguise yourself a little bit. Uh, no one's going to assume that you broke out because <laughs> they they confirmed that you were dead. So, uh, yeah. Well, and seemingly they would be obsessed with trying to catch the Night Stalker who had just escaped because of his right. like manipulating that person. Uh, but, yeah, we see kind of her montage of, of going through... Uh, like coming off those those drugs or she said that it imitates like brain damage and so she kind of mm. they had their thing and it seems like donna and brooke kind of rebond after this a little bit yeah a lot of motel um, bonding she brings, yes wait she's watching doogie hauser i don't know if you caught that on the tv in the motel room mm-hmm. and uh she brings her jack in the box <laughs> how sweet so she's trying her. to gain her trust back she's trying to uh, donna's trying to gain brooke's trust right right and uh, not only that, but Donna is trying to set Brooke up for a new life, a new passport, mm-hmm. um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But new identity. Mm-hmm. We see kind of this glimpse of new badass Brooke. There, innocent Brooke is gone. You know, her years in in, in the clink have changed her. Um, she puts that IV with that drug to Donna's temple. That was pretty badass. I thought that was she's, cool. Yeah, I, I'm like, loving Brooke in this episode. She's great. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Why are you doing this? Um, no, that was that was good. Now, there's a conveniently placed newspaper in the hotel yeah. room. <laughs> I know. That was such a lazy thing. but che- anyway. che- cheesy. We'll call it a cheesy 80s thing, you know? That's how you can write yeah. things off this season. That's true. And you then, of course... with it. Yeah. And, of course, Margaret finds her... Or, sorry. Brooke finds her purpose, which is to murder Margaret. That's the only reason she's alive. She's basically Mr. Jingles part two, except without mm-hmm. the electroshock that actually makes her think... She was responsible. She has maintained her innocence up until then. Right. But she, we she have still... the revenge mission set in motion. Yeah, but she's still, I mean, even though she kind of, you know, her last dying words to Margaret through the glass before she was supposedly, you know, executed was that, like, you know, she had maintained her innocence all the time. Now she seems like she doesn't have a problem, you know, murdering. Certainly she wants to kill Margaret, but even when we kind of see, you know... She, she's not the, the innocent, the ingenue she once was. Let's say that much, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. She has lost her innocence, and she is ready to kill that lady. <laughs> mm-hmm. So to kind of like... But first, yeah, we, hit we the need skate- to have a trip, a girl's trip. <laughs> <laughs> girl's trip to the skate rink. The 80s uh, was morning in America, is what she said. She's so pissed that she missed the 80s. It's uh, kind of funny. I mean, she had four years of it, but... Yeah. Alas, and, but um, then, yeah, I, I mean, say, uh, Donna's like, I got a plan. <laughs> she goes from looking very haggard on death row to looking very um, 80s and like apparently had time to get her hair done and her nails done and all that stuff along the way, too. Their outfits at the skating rink, that the roller rink, are amazing. They look killer. Like, I love, I love the get up the hair. The denim on denim that Brooke is wearing. They're just... I actually really like this sequence. It's such an 80s thing, but I loved it. It was fun. It was fun. And that's, of course, where they meet our They're friend bonded. Bruce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bruce. Uh, Dylan McDermott, who we'd seen in the preview but didn't really know what his role was. Well, shit, now we know mm-hmm. what it is. Um, yep. Highway serial killer. <laughs> you know, you think they'd be more suspicious of, you know cars that are mysteriously broken down people who are randomly asking for rides that kind of thing um i felt like donna was a little too acquiescent Uh, he fixed their car because he damaged it in the first place yeah yeah you know i mean we're playing with these same tropes over and over again um and then of course we have the the camera pan to the lamppost where we see you know all these missing women along the highway um Mm -hmm quick question for you so they're driving along they start to poke holes in his girlfriend's story um mm-hmm. do you do you know is, is so is this supposed to be a real a real serial killer from this period is this anyone you're familiar with it no it wasn't i searched around a little bit there were serial killers that were killing along the highway and i looked up uh, in boston or in new, new bedford massachusetts he's called the new bedford highway killer unidentified never found Responsible for the deaths of like nine women, and he was functioning between eighty eight and eighty nine. So okay. could be that person. I also looked up people named Bruce who were serial killers, and there's some guy in Toronto that was a serial killer, but he he mostly killed men. 
Um, but I, so possibly, and I wouldn't put it past American Horror Story for finding, digging up someone to use uh, as inspiration, but I couldn't find anything in time to record this. And from the backseat, Bruce brings up this urban legend that, uh, from what I could tell, was it, like basically unsubstantiated. It was something that wasn't really a thing, but it was an urban legend that did spread around that there was this idea that there was like a gang initiation in which, you know, people would drive around waiting for somebody to flash their blinkers at them, and then they would follow them home and murder them. So obviously, Brooke is, is not going to take any of this shit. Um, and I so, like this, well, first of all, have you ever seen the movie Urban Legend? It's, uh, it's. I know. I so I was reading that it's referenced in that movie, but I don't remember the movie. I can't even. I I feel like I did see it, but I can't even remember it. Yeah, I. Joshua Jackson's in it. Rebecca Gayhart's in it. Um, there's like a lot of people from that era, the '90s, like the Dawson Creek era. Um, but it's really good. But the whole premise of that movie is this girl and her friend did that uh, to someone and in, in, and accidentally um, they, so they drove around with their lights off and they waited for someone to flash and then they followed them and tried to flash their lights or something at them and ended up causing that car to uh, go off the road and the person in the car died. They were just doing it as a joke. They were just teenagers. But the, that's the whole urban legend that they were trying to recreate and in turn... Sets off this whole, this whole movie events. about people dying one by one by urban legend uh, yeah. murders. So anyway, right. but it's a great movie. I loved it. It was like 97 or something. And fun fact, Eva Mendez is in the sequel. Oh. Is that anyway. one of those that there's been a whole bunch of them? Or has there only been the two? I think there's only been two. There might, No, there's there's been three. Two that were released, I think, in theaters. And then one was like a straight to like on demand or something. Yeah, yeah. I wish um, they would do more than I can. Anyway, but yeah, yes, the urban legend's a popular one. Right, and then Brooke calls him out on that right away. Like, it's not clear. I mean, she just says, you know, you're just trying to scare us, basically. Um, yeah, she's, she's like, get out. And we find that she's got that huge-ass knife in her bag. But yeah. uh, he, so Bruce knows Donna's name. Did she tell him? Did did they, inter- yeah, did they she, introduce them, she, themselves, right? I believe so, um, but also in the car before he said that, um, I believe Brooke tells says Donna get this guy out or like pull over Donna pull over so he they've said it to each other too okay okay so it's not like I, I was trying to remember he knew, was like, yeah. did he know her before no okay it's not like he had a connection stopped them yeah um, and then you know we have that kind of horrifying scene when the cop pulls up and Bruce shoots him uh, and they yeah, drive God, off that so, so that was brutal I mean this whole kind of sequence is brutal this, this reminds me of I mean there's a lot of horror movies that are this premise where it's like some hitchhiker ends up being like a, mm-hmm. you know, terrifying killer. Um, right. But, you know, then he, he chases them down and slams them with that police car, shotguns the truck driver, has his yeah. karma as a bitch line, and Brooke wakes up next to him with the shotgun in her lap, basically. Mm-hmm. And she has Point the choice. Yeah, and she has the choice to either get shot or kill Donna, and apparently she will live, according to him. He's like... Which... The way he does this is, I mean, having a black woman tied up in, nope. I mean, the, this is like the most racist way to, to do something. Like, you can't not but think of the, you know, lynching imagery. So I, I was surprised they I did this. I mean, I think that was intentional. He's just, you know supposed mm-hmm. to be just this horrible scumbag. Um, but, yeah. I mean, then he, you know, broke his quick on our feet. She Instead of hitting the gas forward, she flies backward. Um, let's give a shout out to Donna's cat-like instincts laying down. That, that was fast. awesome. I loved it. I loved it. She boom laid down. That was so uh, cool. And then they pull the badass move and shoot. You know, shoot him right in the leg and uh, time to a lamp. I'm loving this, Brooke. Gruesomely yeah. cut his thumbs off. Um, and then yeah. they kind of have a bonding experience after that. And they're like, okay, now we need to go back to camp together. Um, yeah, I, I like these two together. We got a little uh, buddy road trip comedy, horror comedy happening. And I, yeah. think I like them as a team. Yeah, this was a little bit of a side story. I'm curious, like, in your view, what are the, you know, why did we have this side story? I think, well, we got Brooke's character development. That's what we really needed because this meek, you know, victim from the first half of the season is not who's returning. We have a, we have a, you know, one of the pure definitions of what a story is, is a character's change over time. And this is what we get with in this. Uh, we also get Donna's kind of redemption arc. 
Not that she was that awful compared to some of the other people in this show, but the two of them teaming up together, this newly founded strong Brooke and this uh, searching for redemption uh, Donna make a good pair together. And they, they're the actors together. They play off each other really well. So I think that's, that's what we're trying to get through this uh, journey, this quick little road trip that, w- that we see them d- deal with. And what bonds you better together than a traumatic experience? They've already kind of had that one with the camp, but now they've got this other one that really puts them together and solidifies them as a unit. Yeah. I mean, I am actually kind of, I'm impressed with American Horror Story for doing this because it's kind of uncharacteristic of Mm -hmm. them. A lot of times they will like, you know, they'll do a time jump or something and there's an implication that like, you're supposed to just kind of take it as a given that a character changed in a certain way. And, mm-hmm. you know, they almost could have or done they the same thing. they changed, and, yeah. but we'd never see it happen. Well, we kind of, like, you could have you could have surmised it because we had, you know, um, Brooke in death row for all those years, and you could figure that she's probably changed. But I enjoy them mm-hmm. taking the little bit of extra time to, yeah. like, t- to show, not tell us that. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. I agree. Well and done, I, American Horror Story. Yeah, and I, I agree with you about the redemption arc for Donna too, and it, and both, like you said, um, the the way the the actors played off each other too was great. And Dylan McDermott, I really enjoyed too. It was nice to have him back as a cameo. I'm assuming we're not going to see him again. He's going to jail without yeah, a sentence. Yeah, I, I think he served his purpose. It's kind of what. It, this is funny. These are he played essentially a character that oftentimes American Horror Story will throw like two or three episode arcs at us, and we're like, and then they just don't matter in the end. You know, this is a random serial killer, but he does serve a purpose to do everything that I just said for the characters of Brooke and Donna. So he does actually have a purpose here. It's not just fan service or trying to get uh, Brooke uh, or trying to get Dylan a job for. A week. Right, because we always complain about that where it's like, okay, so, you know, sometimes they feel this? like, sometimes they feel like, okay, we have Neil, ha- Neil Patrick Harris is here, so we need to, you know, we need to make use of him by putting him in three episodes or something like that. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with you that I appreciated that they're like, eh, we're having him come back, make a cameo, and then he's going to be gone. That was good. Bruce actually served the bigger storyline. Yeah. Which yeah. doesn't always happen. No, that was solid. I, I definitely enjoyed that. Um, so let's move back to Camp Redwood, where. Mr. Yep. Jingles is captured by the Jingles the copycats other, that he murdered, basically. The Jingles pranksters, yeah. <laughs> and then we have our, like, band of, um, I don't know, this felt like, I don't know, the Lost Boys from, uh, the, what's the what's the Robin Williams Peter Pan movie? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Um, Hook. It, it felt like the Lost Boys from Hook or something. I mean, I know it's Montana and stuff, but they're I, just like living in the woods. It was funny. I called them the uh, the Council of the Redwood Dead. <laughs> yeah, that was good too. Um, and they just kind of splay him out in, in you know on the ground in front of them just to plead his case. They almost kind of, I mean, it's 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 an, an informal adjudication basically. You know, they're they're giving him an opportunity yeah. to plead plead his case before they kill him. Yeah, um, they're. I mean, he like like. Montana says you killed half of us, or maybe Xavier said that. But yeah, they—he does have some uh, guilt here. And I thought there were a few awkward moments here that were maybe a little bit too much telling when he's like asking them what it's like to be a ghost and stuff like that. Not my yeah. favorite. Not my favorite. Um, but it does lead us to learning about the woman, the lady in white, which was the name of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I don't know how you felt about this. Um, I think I you'll w- know how I feel about it. <laughs> you know me pretty well now. Yeah, I was going to say, and I know you feel the same way. I, I didn't mind. There's parts of this I didn't mind, and we'll dig into it in a second. I wish we had layered this in a little bit earlier. <laughs> I wish we Funny had got... you say that, Tyler. Yeah, I wish <laughs> we had... exactly what I think. Mm-hmm, if we had just had a, you know... I think this season they've actually done a pretty good job of, like, knowing where they're going. So Building it, yeah. So if they did have this in yeah. mind, I wish we would have just had a hint of it. Like, Not you know, even a hint of who this person was. And apparently this character serves a much larger role in the entire uh, storyline of why things happened the way they did. Uh, it's, it's crazy. This is like adding a character at the end to fix something, and nothing was really broken in this. And that's fine if you want to introduce a character like this. But good lord, like let let you know you know the moment where she's talking later in the piece uh, in the episode and she says, "I saw you with that girl," 
back in 1970. If it, during that scene when we originally saw it, if he had seen like a little like glimpse of a white thing uh, dress or something out of the corner of his eye, and he looked over to see what it was, that would have been cool. Then we'd be like, oh, that's what that was, and we could connect that together. But she just now exists, thanks to Chet's exposition of her uh, existence. Uh, yeah, I, this was just clunky exposition. We've never seen a hint of her. It should have been layered in. That's what I, I was going to be. Is I, I was going to be like, did I miss something? You know, and I don't. I don't think we did. I mean, please, no. people, people, if if you feel like you saw a sign of the lady in white before this, correct us. But even if they had like, you know, when they were all around the campfire telling urban legends, like at the very beginning of this sin, like mentioned it there, you know what I mean? Like, oh, there's been known to be like this grieving woman who roams and stabs people. That would have been awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, That just felt like a missed opportunity. So that was a little frustrating. Yeah, I agree. But we also, because of this, before they get to the white woman, we also get Montana divulging the entire plan of why they want to do what the goal is, which is to kill everyone at the festival. And then also they want to kill everyone. So the ghost hunters and paranormals show up and can figure out why they're stuck there. I mean, not a terrible idea, I guess. (laughs) Will we see Billy Dean? Maybe. Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. That could be Sarah Paulson showing up. I don't know. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, that would make sense. Hmm. Very interesting question. Um, but no, I don't think it's a terrible plan. I actually kind of like it. <laughs> but yeah, the, but yeah, the, the other stuff was clunky. Um, and then you know he goes into anyway, that. Xavier takes <laughs> takes Mr. Jingles or Ben to go see his mom in in the cat in the cabin that has the. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that giant like creepy birdcage thing that's hanging from the ceiling? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, that, I just that. thought they were relics from 1948 or something or 50. I don't know. I, that just looked like a cage to put a human in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, or or maybe yeah. Mm-hmm. So hard to say. But uh, man, Lily Rabe's character. Uh, what did you say her name was again? It's something Lavinia. Lavinia. She really blames Benjamin. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ, Lavinia! Like when she kept digging into him. Saying, like, the wrong son died. Should have been, you know, like, okay, got it. I want um, you to burn for eternity. Okay, yeah, Lavinia. That part got was it. brutal. You are a parasite sucking on blood. I was like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. And in this whole sequence is when we get the, well, when Mr. Jingles first tells, like, the first half of the story the to everybody yeah. else. And then, yeah, you know, Lily Rabe fills in that final part, which is that she committed a massacre at the camp um, after Bobby Billy? Bobby. Mm-hmm. Bobby died. Bobby. Um, and, you know, she, I believe I saw the dead body of the lifeguard that still happened to be there even after. <laughs> I always think it's funny that after, you know, someone dies at camp, they're like, well, camp must go on. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's also crazy that we'd never heard this story until now as well, especially because they would know that Jingle's was the like that would have come up in his court case or someone would have mentioned that oh yeah by the way his mom was the camp cook here and she killed a bunch like we should have heard hints of that too i feel like and that he killed his mother yeah that was his first kill i mean and i i guess we had always thought that his limping came from vietnam right and so now we Mm -hmm. like know that his limping came from his mother stabbing him so that's kind yep. of interesting. It also indicates that they knew that this storyline was coming with the mother, maybe, which is like, okay, mm-hmm. then if you knew, that was another reason you should have talked about the lady in white before this. We should have just heard of this character in some form or hinted at it. Agreed, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, she reveals the the showstopper, which is that basically she whispered in Margaret's ear and made her kind of go nuts. And she's the one who's responsible for Margaret's. So this is, this is how I'm kind of interpreting this. And let me know if you think differently Mm -hmm. from how I'm kind of understanding it. It seems like maybe Margaret was already kind of churchy and like a little bit of an outsider or something like that. And then, you know, when Margaret later talks about like, she kind of like it seems like she's hearing voices from the other side telling her to do this and the darkness and all this stuff Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that what we're learning is like the darkness was effectively Lavinia whispering in her ear to murder yeah exactly it was just the little push of encouragement that uh, Margaret needed and Lavinia gave her it'd be see and that's like and that's fine I'm okay with that 
because um, she's like she says Lavinia says Margaret she already had a few screws loose anyway or something like that and I don't I, maybe we'll still get this but I think for that to really work or to land and to feel earned we probably should have had a little bit of a flashback of Margaret's childhood perhaps do you think that would work would, are you interested in that <sighs> Uh, I, <laughs> no, I mean, look. Do you know what I mean? No, it, it doesn't have to be a flashback, but we have to have like you know. Yeah. if she's that easily influenced. I, I yes, I totally get what you're saying, and I feel like that could have been a device used if if we had even. But I do feel like if we had just had more of the lady in white before this episode, I would yeah. not have cared as much. But I yeah. I agree I agree with you that because of the way this unfolds, it feels less. It does feel less earned, and it does feel like a little bit like a deus ex machina like you kind of said Mm -hmm. before like all of a sudden we're just pulling this thing and it like spins everything i mean it does fit but i feel like it could have been less clunky in in it and how it was rolled out um i mean i the the other big takeaway to surmise here is that you know lavinia is of course responsible for getting benjamin framed for all those years sent to prison uh, electroshocked mm-hmm. thinking he's the killer like she's really the one responsible for the additional murders that take place because it's yep. you know a chain of events um and even she's now awful. after the horrible experience he's went through she's still not done with him um there's no punishment that he could ever have that's like enough to you know um make up for the killing of her dear bobby, bobby. yeah <laughs> so, so that was brutal except then they have the final sequence in the dock um, after she's mad at him for like sitting in the same spot where I guess she's kind of doing him a favor, giving him this advice. I, it seems like, you know, it seems like they are finally connecting after she just read him for filth, uh, you know, like hours before that. Uh, they kind of connect over how Bobby, you know, he named his son Bobby, which we all guessed early on most likely um and then yeah she tells him if you want to beat him you know he has got forces on his side that you cannot compete with and if he kills you you're gone forever uh but if you kill yourself you'll live forever i don't know if i would trust this woman who just like told me how much she hates me <laughs> to- totally um but i guess but she's she living proof connect of it. with him mm-hmm. yeah and so i think it's supposed to be kind of a olive branch after she so brutally like made him feel so bad up until then because he you know he's like well you're not the only one who's sad about this i've regretted every day of my life and she seems for a second to have kind of regained her senses it seems um now they're Mm. also uh, at least apparently stuck forever together at camp redwood (laughs) there's their spirits so there's that aspect of it too i'm guessing though we're going to figure out some way to make all these spirits pass by the end of the season i think so yeah um, but you know he, um, he does gut himself and it gives him immortality yep. to take on Richard I guess take out Richard Ramirez I, I do want to say here big applause uh, snaps kudos cheers for Lily Rabe and John Carroll Lynch I think they just did a fantastic job I, I thought Lily Rabe was amazing um, especially in the opening mm-hmm. cold open and then also when she's really like connecting with him at the end mm-hmm. but John Carroll Lynch I have feelings like in my heart when I'm seeing you know, how heartbroken he is and how he's truly trying to do the right thing and how he was so manipulated and that's because John Carroll Lynch is doing a really great job I think yeah I thought he was too I I, I, I was a little bit not with him when he was like captured on the ground in front of the group, but I feel like maybe that was just the no, yeah, the, the situation. The final scene having I loved, him, yeah, having him voice the exposition, but yeah, them in the cabin together and then him on the dock, I thought it did yes, that's play out exactly. well. Um, it's interesting because they've made Jingles a sympathetic character, which is something we didn't want from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, how do you feel about that now that we've gone on this journey? I'm okay with it now that we've gotten this far because he really is a good character and he's, I think he's fleshed out pretty well and again, John Carroll Lynch is doing a fantastic job with it because we were introduced to a more sinister villain. Not just an evil thing that goes around and kills things but a really manipulative, horrible human being uh, in Margaret but also in uh, Night Stalker? Uh, Lavinia too. Oh yeah. Kind of. And Night Stalker, he's horrible but I'm not as, he's not as I don't know. 
nuanced as Margaret kind of is, I think, and doesn't have cool storylines. He's just a killer. Yeah, I mean, like, we know his origin story, but I also feel like at this point he's like, he's almost like a supernatural being. It'd be like, it's like a monster versus like actual serial killer, you know what I mean? He's like, Mm -hmm. he's just a creature that keeps coming back from the dead and like, you know, whereas I agree that I feel almost like there's more evil alive than, yeah, someone like Margaret. Um, Because she's more aware, maybe she's more aware of it, I don't know. But I I agree with you, I agree with you. I think the way it was presented makes me feel more okay with things. I also, you know, if, if you think about it, and I might try this as a just a fun experiment, but rewriting this season without using Richard Ramirez as the device to get Jingles to go back, you know, if we had introdu- been introduced to the white woman or the white lady, uh, lady in white later or earlier on, you know, it could be he knows he has to go back because she was responsible for everything and it's his mother and there's this, that tension could be really interesting as opposed to, the random serial killer from real life who was working the the state uh, back at that time, right? I, I don't I, know. No, I I think that's an interesting Zach experiment. Was great. Yeah, uh, no, anyway. I, I I've enjoyed having him, but I do I, I agree that like yeah, I, I think that 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 is an interesting idea. Um, let's so speaking of Night Stalker, let's kind of talk about this. Uh, I guess what we'll call the lead up to the festival that's going to occur next episode. Yeah. So you know, at the camp, Trevor, Margaret, and what's her assistant's name? I don't remember what it was from last season, last episode. We'll call we'll call him Leslie Jordan. Yeah, <laughs> Leslie Jordan are assessing the site um, when, of course, Trevor spots Montana from across the way. Um, at the same time, this is when the band. Kajagugu <laughs> arrives. <laughs> I love hearing you say that. Tell me, what's that band called again? Uh, Kajagugu, which it was actually, from what I read, up, what I read up was named after the sound a baby makes. Um, yeah, they were Kajagugu. they they were a British new age new wave band, best known for their 1983 hit single "Too Shy," which reached which is exactly what Margaret asked them. Mm-hmm. Are you gonna play it? He's like, "Yeah, that's our hit, <laughs> yeah. our only hit." It reached number one in the UK singles chart, um, and the lead singer is a guy named Christopher Hamill, who is in his solo career. He sang the song "Never Ending Story," which for Stranger mm-hmm. Stranger Things fans will remember that is a song that Dustin and his girlfriend in Utah sing to each other that's over right. over the radio and Stranger Things over the radios. Yeah, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of fun. That's kind of fun. Um, but anyway, uh, so apparently, on on the one hand, you know, um, he he gets apparently he sold his soul to Satan, from what I understand, <laughs> because then we see that stucker show up and murder him and the entire band. And, of course, Leslie Jordan finds it. And then, meanwhile, Trevor's in the shrubs having... Hooking up with Montana. (laughs) Hooking up with Montana. She's been (laughs) waiting for him for all these years. Um, Classic American Horror Story. Like, what what the fuck? Why not? Let's have Trevor see Montana. They'll hook up and he'll say, like, I miss you. (laughs) And she's like, I'm dead. And he's like, I don't care. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, I forgot if... Did you catch this? What Leslie Jordan says when uh, Kajagugu shows up? No, I missed it. What when the bus say? rolls up, he says, "What fresh hell is this?" <laughs> uh, it's like, yes, that's like a classic uh, American horror story line now. Yeah, uh, thanks to Madison Montgomery. Mm-hmm, that's a good one. But yeah, he kills the first band. The first band's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. First band is already dead, and I I can only imagine the show must go on. So maybe Margaret's gonna hide the bodies and keep things <laughs> yeah. coming. Anyway, yeah, interesting stuff. I'm excited to talk about the preview because I have some thoughts. But before we get okay. to that point, um, I don't know. It's uh, give me a review, sum up the episode. Where, where where you at on everything? I really liked this episode. Actually, I thought it was really fun, and primarily because of two things. I genuinely liked the Donna Brooke team up. Uh, I liked that there was the like it was kind of a moment of reprieve when they went to the roller rink. Uh, and it just made it fun. I liked it. And I liked the character development and how those people, well, Brooke feels earned. Donna, less earned. She decides she wants to be good in her life, which fine. We'll roll with that. Um, but their experience with Dylan McDermott, or uh, yeah, uh, Bruce on the highway, the cop, it was some 
kind of fun action. And the director who did this piece was Liz Friedlander. And she's done uh, a bunch of, she, I think she was a music video director for a while. Anyway, I thought the way they shot it all was really fun. And then I like where, how I'm feeling about um, Mr. Jingles or Ben at this point. John Carroll Lynch is doing a great job. I'm sympathetic toward him and I want him to beat the shit out of Richard Ramirez and send him to hell. Uh, and then it was fun to see Lily Rabe again. There are a few clunky expositions that we talked about that kind of bring it down, this episode down for me a bit. Uh, but overall, I had a fun time. I liked it. Uh, so I give it four severed ears. Mm, that's what that's do you think? solid. I, yeah. I really liked it too. I, I agree with you. I have, I, don't, I have like no problems with the Brooke and Donna and Bruce storyline. Um, I'm really glad that was in there. I think it, like mm-hmm. I said, I think it was something that American Horror Story so often kind of overlooks, which is just having, you know, it wasn't like a side plot just for the sake of like, you know, yep. bringing in, you know, a cameo or just throwing in some other weird paranormal type we have thing. to fill a 13 episode order <laughs> yeah it like it actually felt like it had a, a character purpose and i thought it was really nice I, I enjoyed that part a lot um and especially like the way it ends with the scene in the car and then them <laughs> cutting his thumbs off and stuff i thought that was all great that was that was fantastic yeah. all three of those actors very pleased with how that turned out as far as the stuff back at the camp i Lily Ray was phenomenal. I agree with you there, and I I did like what um, John Carlunch put together at the end. I also really enjoyed the homages to uh, Sleepaway Camp and to Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Like we talked at the beginning, the flashback in the cold open. The cold open was a blast. Loved that as well. Um, mm-hmm. The I, but the clunky parts, I am a little bit hung up on. You know, it was annoying when he was like, you know, asking them questions on the ground. But really. I just feel like it was such a missed opportunity not to have the lady in white introduced in some way earlier on that like would have just been one of those things that really tied this season together in a cool way. Yeah. So that was first tight. Yes, first tight this season's been, and it's kind of surprising that they didn't do that. But yeah, here we yeah. Are. So somewhat of a d- disappointment. Um, and I mean, I think that for that reason, I've got to give it a three and a half. Which is still, okay. I, I still want to say that, that, like, with the caveat that it, there's a lot I did like about this episode, but that was mm-hmm. like that was just such a missed opportunity that it it bumps me out a little bit. So that having been said, we see in the preview a couple different things. Um, you know, Donna telling Brooke that every horror movie has a final girl, and then the thing that's mm-hmm. like the final battle. It seems very self-aware, right? I was totally when I. Um when I was writing my notes while watching this episode at the point when Brooke did the whole back the truck up and Donna went down and she pulled the gun and did this and then tied him up to cut his thumbs off. I was like, wow, Brooke is an awesome final girl. And then the preview was like, you're the final girl. I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) So um, what are you thinking about that? Well, I think it's interesting that next episode is the episode before the finale. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about, the final girl, and we're talking about the final battle. Mm-hmm. Given it could be extended out, but uh, I almost think maybe there's still room for a final episode twist. A twist? Mm-hmm. Like we are just shooting a movie this entire time? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. What do you Would think? Would that undercut the whole season, though? Like It's like, oh, it's just a dream. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I, I legitimately don't know how I feel about that. And I, mm-hmm. I and I almost feel like it's it depends how it's done, maybe. Yeah. Um. What do you think? Right. I don't want that to happen. I think they just have a really good thing going right now. Um. And it's it would be really I don't know it'd be really shitty to do it in the last episode or the second to last episode just because I don't know turning the whole season on its head and having to go rethink how everything went down. I'd be annoyed to do that, uh, and I just think it's doing well right now. Uh, that being said, I am not holding my breath that it just rides this wave and stays. I do remember what show I'm watching. It is American Horror Story, and they do pull shit out, uh, kind of crazy stuff, either last minute, in the middle, whenever they want. Um, so we'll just see, but I, I, I'm leaning more toward I hope they don't. Mm-hmm. I will say that... Um 
we didn't see anything in the preview about Sarah Paulson or about the, mm-hmm. char- the characters crossing over. So right. hypothetically, that could be what the final episode's about. You know, yeah, which is kind of crazy because usually all the you know when when you have a season, the big war, the big battle, the big massacre, whatever, typically happens in the penultimate episode. So we have the final episode to wrap up all the loose ends and tie up all the loose ends. Um, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen next week. It still looks like they're prepping for the festival, and that Brooke and Donna are still on the road trip, or they're at a diner, I guess, um, just outside getting ready to go in. So. We might not get that final thing. I hope they give it to us, though. They've been teasing it for two episodes now. I want to see this massacre go down. And I want to see Billy Idol, of course. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Totally. Um, No, I hope it's not another thing like the camp where it's like it all takes place before the actual festival begins and stuff. Mm -hmm. I I agree with you. I think the massacre has got to be a part of it. Um, But regardless, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I'm I'm still really hooked into the season, you know? Yeah. I like it. I'm surprised. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Yeah. I know we love eighty stuff, but I feel like it's it's done its serve. Like, yeah, it's it's met that challenge in a good way. Which it doesn't. You know, there's seasons where I would argue it hasn't always done that. You know, made the mm-hmm. right made the homage, and right. you know, approached it in the right way. So that's awesome. Well, uh, until next week, you know, two episodes left. A lot to be excited about. Um, as always, you can catch us on This American Horror Story, um, sorry, at facebook.com slash This American Horror Story. You can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com, and you can rate us or review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate that. Um, if you still have theories about what's going to happen in these last two episodes, we'd love to hear them, so hit us up with those. Uh, until next week, Chris, where can people find you? I am on Twitter and on Instagram, at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And Tyler, are you on Instagram or are you on Twitter? You're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at TJMoss11. I am on Instagram too at TJMoss11, but I am not a very fun. You don't want people following you. I mean, I don't care. I'm I just I'm not a. You're a more fun Instagram person than I am. I feel like <laughs> you like you are always on top of like the, the fun Snapchat stories and stuff like that. I just I don't I'm not good at stories and, and you know what I mean. Like I'll put a yeah. photo up every so often. I only put photos up when I travel someplace interesting. Otherwise, it's like all my dog. <laughs> You do have, which that's, I love following dog Instagrams and cat Instagrams. I follow like otter Instagrams, whale Instagrams. I love animals. It's, I'm weird. Um, did you see the story I put up the other day where I had that tweet from some like white nationalist guy that like hate tweeted me about the story that I did recently on Laura Ingalls Wilder? No. Wow. Go to my Twitter and then you can look at like people who have like added me and he just said I, I have I showed utter contempt for Laura Ingalls Wilder's family and huh. I lied when I said that her dad stole land and the, honestly the whole piece is essentially a love letter to Laura Ingalls Wilder and how much of a badass pioneer she was but yes her dad did steal land because everyone did then they were stealing the Osage Native Americans land anyway huh well anyway that sounds like a journey <laughs> so I hope that He's a li- not a listener of this, but anyway, it was just funny. But I tweeted about, or I Instagrammed about that. See, I was like, oh, my first white nationalist hate tweet. Oh, well, see, Chris has more interesting Instagrams than me. But, you know, if you if you <laughs> anyway, want to follow me sorry. and see my dog, you totally can. <laughs> no, appreciate <laughs> it. Awesome. Okay, well, everyone, we hope you have a phenomenal Halloween. If you have not posted, you know, your American Horror Story themed costume for us yet, we would still love to see it. Otherwise, be safe out there, enjoy yourselves, and until next week, happy holidays. <laughs>